Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined this week by Solis Chukwu in Lagos, Nigeria, and by Ephraim Tagu, also here in Zimbabwe. And on this week's show, we focus on Sergio Mane's troubles at Bayern Munich. It's been a tough season for the Senegal star, and earlier this month he was suspended after punching teammate Leroy Sané. So we ask why Mane has failed to make an impact at Bayern. Also, we have a special feature on football fans with disability, in particular fans who are visually impaired. We hear from a Zimbabwean living in Germany on his match day experience. The tickets for the game was good for 30 euro, but if you are disabled, you pay 10 euro and your assistant gets it for free. As coming up later, also we talk about Mohamed Salah's return to form and we ask whether Chelsea should make use of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang as they struggle for goals. Well, first, the first legs of the CAF Champions League quarterfinals are on this weekend. Some big ties on Friday. JS Kabylie of Algeria play Esperance of Tunisia. On Saturday, there are three games. Simba of Tanzania play the defending champions Widad Casablanca of Morocco. The blockbuster tie is Al-Athli of Egypt against Morocco's Raja Casablanca. And also on Saturday, Siar Belouizdad of Algeria play South Africa's Mamelodi sundowns. Second legs are on next weekend. Now it's been a tough season for Senegal star Sadio Mane having moved from Liverpool to Bayern Munich in Germany. Mane had a long injury layoff and missed the World Cup. He's been on the bench a few times of late and he last scored back in October. And then earlier this month he was suspended after allegedly punching teammate Leroy Sané after a loss to Manchester City in the Champions League. There are now doubts as to whether he will stay with Bayern Munich next season. So Ida's away this week. I'm joined by Solis Chukwu in Lagos in Nigeria. Uh, so Solis, this isn't what we were expecting from Mane in Germany. Uh, what are the issues that led to things going wrong and why has he failed to make an impact at Bayern? You're absolutely right, Steve. No one could have seen this coming when Sadio Mane made the move to join Bayern Munich in the summer. Um, as a matter of fact, at the time, most people felt that his move to Germany would give the club an absolute boost. Um, this is a player who was at Liverpool for so many years, was a part of so much of their success, and just last season got to the UEFA Champions League final um, with the Reds. So he was clearly someone who seemed like he was still at a very high level and could contribute at Bayern. And in fairness to him, if, while this is not the season everyone hoped it would be, in terms of his own actual output, he's not done that badly at Bayern. Um, he's made just 15 starts for the club in league football and he's got 10 goals and assists combined. So um, when you look at what he's actually been able to contribute, if anything, there's even a sense that he's trying too hard at Bayern. But there's been a lot of institutional factors and issues at the club and I think you've highlighted some of them. There's the fact that when you look at Bayern Munich, there's not really been coherence at administrative level between the board and the coaching staff. So we saw the manner in which Julian Nagelsmann was let go. Um, he's someone who had them unbeaten in Champions League and just like a point behind Borussia Dortmund at the time he was sacked. Now, obviously Bayern are used to romping the league and running away with it, but that obviously can't happen every season. And if anything, Bayern still had a destiny in their hands 
with a game against Borussia Dortmund coming up. So it was kind of disappointing that they took that step, but that just tells you the level of administrative um, flux at Bayern Munich. So I think that plays into some of the issues that Mane has had there. He's not been able to get consistency in terms of actual playing minutes. And, I mean, Mane is not as young as he used to be. He's 31 now. So at this age, you need as much as possible. You need consistency of minutes. You need to play week in, week out to keep a good rhythm. And he's not really had that at Bayern. It's been very stopped start. And I think that's fed into that. Then you look as well at the injury he suffered just before the World Cup. I mean, the timing of that was really bad as it robbed him of a very, um, of an opportunity he might not have again. It's money steady one now. He may never be able to play at the World Cup again at a top physical level. So this was his chance. And there was a sense that, okay, Senegal had sort of underwhelmed in 2018. 2022 was their time. The team had matured together. Um, Alucise, who is the manager, had gotten a lot more experience. So this was the time for Senegal to really show themselves to the world. And in fairness to them, they did. They got to round of 16 at the World Cup, but they did so without Mane. So if Mane had been there, it could have been so much better. And the player himself will not um, have been unaware of this. So it's all just fed into the frustration that Mane has felt this season. And I think that all just boiled over in his confrontation with um, Leroy Sané. Yeah, sure. Frustrating times for him. And Liverpool have felt Mane's absence this season. Any chance of him returning to the Reds or where else might he move to? Yeah, I think you could say that uh, Mane to Bayern is kind of a classic example of a transfer that hasn't really been a success for any party involved. Liverpool lost a very important member of their front three. Um, Bayern thought they were signing a game changer, but for various reasons that we've already highlighted, have not gotten that level of output from him. And Mane himself has not been able to show his best qualities while at Bayern Munich. So for all parties involved, he's not really been a great transfer. So you can understand why there's a lot of speculation now combined with um, issues in the dressing room as to whether Mane would probably leave. But I think a transfer return to Liverpool probably isn't the best idea because, I mean, let's face it, Liverpool have clearly moved on. And while losing money obviously was not great for them, I think they have bigger issues, um, specifically in midfield, that have held them back this season and have um, led to a downturn in their productivity and in their performances. So I wouldn't put it all down to selling money and then insinuate that bringing money back would solve all of those problems. Um, so Liverpool have quite a lot in terms of depth in attack. They have Diogo Jota, um, they have Luis Diaz, they have Darwin Nunez, they still have Mohamed Salah rocking about and they brought in Cody Gakpo. So they have a lot of talent in attack. I don't think they really need to be bringing money back. But Mane is still a player with a lot of, um, with a lot of admirers. Obviously, he's lost a little bit of acceleration now. So that makes, that makes things a little bit difficult. So I can't really see any of the Premier League's top sides wanting to bring him in i don't i don't think he would offer that transformative effect on either of manchester city or arsenal for example so i i can't really see that but i think where would be good for him if you're looking at it from the standpoint of you know his profile and players of his um of his ability level and skill where they tended to thrive you look at somewhere like syria i think that's um the sort of environment where money could actually do well it's a place that would suit him and in times past you could see him being the sort of signing like a player like him the sort of signing that say a club like juventus would have made in previous seasons i think he's that kind of player who they could market as a marquee signing 
who could come in and um, really take the league by the scruff of the neck. I think Mane wants to be the main man somewhere. And I think a club like Juventus or maybe even Inter in Syria could offer him a path to that level of prominence and relevance. Right, so maybe a move to Italy might be what uh, Sancho Mane needs. We'll see how things go in the coming months ahead of the new season. Thanks, Solis. Uh, do stay with us. Uh, on Facebook, we asked last week, what do you think about the Sadio Mane incident? As uh, Mane is a role model to many in African football. So should he have been fired, suspended, fined or forgiven for allegedly punching Leroy Sané? Well, the majority of uh, those who got in touch uh, felt that, yes, Amane should be forgiven in light of his standing as uh, an African legend and as uh, a good role model to many. Uh, Christian Kisatwalo in Liberia says, uh, the former player of my club Liverpool should have been forgiven because he's a respectable and good man, I know. Although everyone should control their anger, I strongly believe that Leroy Sané had done or said something wrong seriously to the African African star Mane, says Christian. Abdullah Shaiban Alinko says Sane might have uttered insulting words to Mane because Mane doesn't have that type of attitude. And Daniel Issa Zimba says something went wrong. We know that Mane is a very decent man. In the Gambia, Lamine Barrow says they should have forgiven him because he just lost his temper. Uh, J-Boy Rogers in Malawi says, please, we should forgive. And Martin Matok Age Mayen in South Sudan says, yes, Amane should have been forgiven. Uh, Wisdom Handawala in Zambia says, forgiveness is best. And Newton Paitetia in Liberia says, yeah, Amane should be forgiven because mistakes happen everywhere. In Nigeria, Ndubuisi Namani says Mane is the most humble player in the world. Uh, however, others disagreed and took a harder stance. Belong Baji in the Gambia says he deserved that suspension. He should have composed himself and be aware that he is admired by many young people, says Belong. Also in the Gambia, Sideko Suno says he deserves to be disciplined and to serve as a deterrent to other players in the squad and not to put the law into their own hands, says Sideko. And finally, on this one, a Solex George in Nigeria says he should have been asked to apologize and then, if necessary, a punishment should have been given to Sajo Mane, says Solex. Uh, thanks so much to everybody who got in touch uh, on this one. Uh, still with us is a Solis Chuku in Lagos. And uh, Solis, uh, besides Sadio Mane, which Africans would you say have had a good season in Germany this season? Yeah, in the Bundesliga this season, uh, there have been, uh, been some notable African um, performers who have really shown. Uh, just a couple have stood out to me. I think... One of them is Tunisia midfielder Elias Kiri, who plays at Cone. Um, we've always known him as a very calm, metronomic figure at the back of midfield. Um, really good on the ball, sets the tempo, you know, wins tackles, helps his team control the middle of the pitch. And up until this season, he's done that really well. But a little quirk this term is that he's added goals to it. He's become more of a set-piece threat, threatens in the opposition box a lot more. So I think we are seeing Skiri really take a huge step and... He's been one of Africa's most impressive performers for me in the Bundesliga. Um, there's also, I mean, the obvious Mane's teammate at Bayern Munich, um, Eric Martin Chupomotin. Um, the Cameroonian is sort of the, he's really the only out and out number nine at Bayern Munich. And because of that and the club's willingness to, you know, play with more of a 
fluid attack. He's not always been fielded, especially in the big games. But uh, he's he's pitched in with goals anyway. He's scored 12 goals this season. I think he's a very solid, reliable performer, even though there are still question marks over his aptitude, you know, on the biggest of stages. But still, he's been a, been a very good producer for Bayern Munich this season. Um, at Bochum, Christopher Antwi Ajay, uh, Ghanaian winger, very, very quick, good cross of the ball, very selfless. Um, he's scored eight goals so far, which is, you know, for a club like Bochum, who aren't, you know, one traditionally a very big club that's a really great return for Antwia J so very impressive but if I had to pick one absolute top level performer of African descent in the Bundesliga I would say it's Edmond Tapsoba at the Bayer Leverkusen I mean he's just doing his reputation the world of good this season he's come on in leaps and bounds Javier Alonso has gone into um, the dressing room at Bayer Leverkusen and he's revived, rejuvenated the team. They are flying really high in Europe um, and they're also doing well in the Bundesliga. At the back, Tapsoba, um, Burkina Faso International, very impressive defender, great passing ring, physically impressive, on and off the ball, just an absolute dynamo of a defender. So I think he would probably be right up there if I were, if I had to pick one standard African performer. But all of these four that I've listed here, along with Sadio Mane, I think really carry the flag and the torch for Africa in the Bundesliga. Uh, they've carried it really well this season. Right, well, thanks, Solis. So those four players that have stood out for Solis in Germany this season, uh, Burkina Faso's Edmund Tapsoba, who plays as a defender for Bayer Leverkusen, Elias Skiri, the Tunisian, who's with Köln, Eric Maxim Chopomoting, the Cameroonian with Bayern Munich, and Christopher Antwi Ajay, a Ghanaian, playing for Bochum. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And still to come, Mohamed Salah back on form at Liverpool. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs too in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Now, this week on the show, we have a special feature on football fans with disability, in particular fans who are visually impaired. Tawanda Nyamuziwe is a Zimbabwean colleague of mine who's been living in Germany for five years and working there as a broadcaster. Now, Nyams, as he's known, is blind. He's a big sports fan, and last week he went to a German Bundesliga 2 match in the city of Hanover, the game between Hanover 96 and Heddenheim. And in this report, Nyams gave us this feel of the matchday experience. Yeah, I'm live here from the Hanover Main Stadium, the league game between Hanover and Heiden Heiden at the 50,000 seater stadium. So for someone who's, 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 um, who's disabled, they were just sitting. Um, we are seated five minutes just away from the from the main stadium. So the, at the left side will be the disabled sitting and then the right side, you see the guys, the ching chings, all the millionaires will be sitting there. And uh, the game will start at half past seven. It's been amazing, but as we're driving here, we had a bit of challenge issues with parking. Not exactly with parking, but there was just too much traffic. But there was also reserved parking for two disabled. Coming into the stadium was very swift because the ticket was on the what? Was on the phone. Everything was swift. The ticket for the game was good for 30 euro. But if you are disabled, you pay 10 euro, and your assistant gets it for free. So that's um, that's amazing. Just waiting for my headsets. 
so that I can get the live commentary and everything. It's quite an amazing feel. I had uh, exclusive um, access to see the timbers coming through. Fall over 96, we got to the timbers, the players getting off the bus, and all the players in the, in the stadium warming up. Some of the advantage that I've had, I was able to repress the toilets. They are clean, but yeah, they, they don't have a good order. And that's one thing I haven't been impressed with the toilets so far. But besides that, I think everything else has just been good. Entertainment, the team is warming up, and yeah, so far the atmosphere is good. And on a Friday, you know, people are actually packed up just like this. Yeah, the stadium is, I can tell, was yesterday I was being told over 40,000 seats had already been taken. I don't know if the game is going to be sold out today. So I've got my headphones on, the teams have had their, their team uh, songs, as you can hear, it's so noisy in the stadium. Wow, insights into watching football in Germany as a visually impaired fan. That's Tawanda Nyamuziwa, or Nyams, a Zimbabwean based here in Germany. I spoke to him to find out more about what it was like and first asked about the headsets given there to the visually impaired fans to listen to commentary on the game. So actually, before you get to the game, football game, you actually phone the club and you make them aware that you're going to the stadium. By the time you get to the stadium, the commentary team was actually waiting for me. And they handed me my headphones and they told me, they introduced themselves to me and they told me that we're going to be doing the commentary for you. And then um, I took the headphones and you just plug them at the side of your chair and you're able to listen to commentary. So the commentary that you're listening to is more of radio commentary. You can actually visualize things that are happening in the field of play. And it's so amazing. The commentary was just so amazing for me. It was so good. And then as the crowd was applauding and cheering up, it was so fun because you feel part of the part of the crowd. And yeah, Germans really support football. It was so amazing. You know, all the um, hearing the sound, the crowd and everything, which was so amazing. Then just after the game, the commentary team also then come to you and um, they got the headphones for me and just asked me how the commentary was and everything. But that was an amazing thing. But I knew all the action from the first minute until the last minute. I was actually part of, of the um, of the fun and the activities, and I always find this thing as uh, a great thing. Oh wow, what an experience! Uh, so Nyams, how does this compare with going to sports events uh, as a fan with disability in Zimbabwe? I've been to the Farah Stadium. I've been to a sports club as a blind person, and they do not have facilities that can accommodate the disabled. So I think one thing that the city council needs to do, and the owners of these uh, sporting facilities need to actually go on a fact-finding mission and to know how can, certain countries have done it, what have they done in terms of accessibility, so that people with disabilities can also go and be part of the fun, support their teams, and even go and support the country when things are happening, you know, in, in terms of sporting facilities. I think it's something that can be done any time right now with the whole issue of, of uh, stadium renovations. It's something that they need to actually include and make sure that those infrastructure is, uh, is available for persons with disabilities in terms of sporting facilities. It's something that the city fathers um, in different cities need to be able to do to make sure that that infrastructure is actually 
accessible to the, to the blind. So they've got much to learn, but I believe it can be done. Because for me, the whole stadium, from the moment we entered the stadium until the lift, everything was accessible. Um, there were ramps, there were steps. You had an option to go through the steps or the ramps. And, and, and even the entry where, where I entered the stadium with was an entry that was really reserved for persons with disabilities, the small kids, you know. It was actually a great uh, stadium and a great facility, uh, which is really good for to enable persons with disabilities to also go and be part of the fun. And I also say this, it's always good because it's good for recreational purposes. It's also good for mental health, for things to be part of the fun. So with that, I say I hope that we have facilities like this here in Zimbabwe and in Africa that can also accommodate persons with disabilities. So I was talking there to Tawanda Nyams Nyamuziwa, a Zimbabwean based in Germany, and asking for your thoughts on this on social media this week. Uh, how are facilities for fans with disability in your country? Uh, so we heard there uh, from Nyams about the match day experience at a German Bundesliga 2 game, how well fans with disability are looked after there, and uh, how he was given a headset so he could listen to special commentary for the visually impaired uh, at the ground. Uh, so how are facilities for sports fans with disability in your country? Uh, let us know on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. How are facilities for sports fans with disability in your country? Right, let's talk European football now here on Planet Sport Football Africa, show brought to you by Passion for Sport. Uh, Stuart's away this week and I'm joined by my colleague Ephraim Tagu. Um, lots to talk about. Let's start with the UEFA Champions League as Real Madrid and Man City, as expected, went through to the semi-finals. Uh, Chelsea out and Bayern Munich out as well. Uh, what we didn't expect to see, Ephraim, was Erling Haaland missing a penalty. Yeah, it does seem like... Uh Anything that Erling Haaland touches turns to goals, but it wasn't the case as he missed a penalty. Can you believe that? Well, I guess when it's at this time of uh, the year, this stage of the season, the pressure uh, begins to pile on these on these uh, players. And also, uh, you look at the stakes. The stakes are high. There was a semi-final uh, position at stake, and he's not the only one who's been missing penalties. Uh, Mohamed Salah has missed not one penalty, but two penalties. Can you believe that? Bukayo Saka has also missed uh, for Arsenal. The pressure as well of, of the title race getting to him. Olivier Giroud also missed in the Champions League for AC Milan against Napoli. Uh, so these guys are human professionals and stars, superstars, but they're still human and they still have nerves. <laughs> yeah, it uh, does happen sometimes. Erling Haaland uh, missing a penalty. Napoli also missing one midweek uh, in the UEFA Champions League. Yes, yeah, so as you say, Bukayo Saka, potentially very, very costly mistake, uh, putting that penalty wide against West Ham in a game that ended in a draw last weekend. Uh, Arsenal really seem to be starting to falter now. Uh, four points uh, the gap, but Manchester City have a game in hand and they are due to play each other at the Etihad. Yeah, these are difficult times for Arsenal fans and uh, you could see uh, that uh, the pressure was getting to Bukayo Saka. Uh, they needed to score that penalty to make it 3-1 and um, restore uh, that uh, two-goal cushion in that game, but it wasn't to be. And uh, for the uh, second game in a row, uh, they led 2-0 and they got pegged back and uh, they ended up drawing 2-2 and dropping two points. So it's going to be interesting to see how they fare against Manchester City in two games' time. 
where they probably have to uh, go and win now. Yes, they will have to 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 win that game. Uh, that game is not just important for the points, uh, but you know you 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 take three points away uh, from your your opponent, and uh, you also put three points on the board uh, for yourself. So that's a six pointer, Steve. Yeah, so Mohamed Salah also among those players who've missed uh, penalties uh, of late. As you say, two of them uh, he's missed. But uh, otherwise, the uh, Liverpool uh, forward uh, very much back in form. Yes, Mohamed Salah is back in form. He's, uh, he's banging in the goals. He's he's the go-to guy uh, for Liverpool year in, year out. Uh, but unfortunately, it's a little too late now uh, for this form to really produce anything of substance. But I guess he's giving them a base uh, to, to build on. I think Liverpool fans can just begin to... To look to next season to make improvements and give some fringe players some game time to see who's going to be out the door uh, come the transfer window and who's staying and uh, also quite a few players are returning from injury as well uh, these are some players that maybe uh, Jürgen Klopp can have a look at in terms of combinations here and there uh, but as far as the season is concerned and winning something uh, that ship has sailed. Yeah, they'd want to at least to finish off the season strongly, no doubt. Uh, well, it hasn't gone well for Frank Lampard, the interim manager at uh, Chelsea. Really poor start uh, for him uh, as the new interim boss there. Um, but there's been some interesting rumours uh, about a couple of players. Uh, Edward Mendy, the uh, Senegal goalkeeper, uh, possibly might uh, get the number one goalkeeper's jersey back. Yes, that's uh, that, that's quite a, a rumor with substance, Steve, because remember it was Frank Lampard who really gave uh, Edward Mendy his opportunity at Chelsea. That was Lampard's guy, uh, not uh, Kepa Ritabalaga. Uh, but uh, Frank Lampard left. Edward Mendy uh, lost his place, uh, but we know that Edward Mendy is is a, is a proper goalkeeper. He's got the awards to show for it. He's got the clean sheets to to show for it. Uh, but I think he might actually get his place back. The problem now is Chelsea are more concerned with scoring goals than keeping clean sheets at the moment. It doesn't look like that's where the headache is at the back. Headache seems to be at the uh, at the, the offensive end of, of the pitch. Because when you look at uh, the this run that uh, Frank Lampard is on, four games managed, four losses, one goal scored, Steve. Just one goal. So it's uh, not been easy at all. Um, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, the uh, Gabonese uh, forward, is an interesting talking point too. Uh, has been such a prolific goal scorer over the seasons, uh, but uh, hasn't been picked for a long time in a Chelsea team, which, as you say, is struggling for goals. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring him up, uh, Steve, as we talk about goals. He's he's a man who's proven himself everywhere that he goes, whether it's at Borussia Dortmund, at Arsenal. He actually won a um, golden boot in, in the English Premier League. He went to Barcelona and he solidified himself again as a top goal scorer. At Chelsea, he just hasn't had the game time. And they, they don't have a recognized striker who's playing in that team. Kai Havertz is sort of a hybrid, someone who can play the 9 or play the 10, but he's not really your Pierre America Bamiyang. That, that striker gunman that you need and I think if Frank Lampard decides to give someone a chance uh, a number nine a chance maybe he can try out Pierre America Bamiang I think he can uh, be their answer uh, certainly in the interim as they as they uh, just uh, go to, towards the end of the season yeah, he has been such a reliable uh, goal scorer, so we'll see what happens there. And uh, English Premier League Hall of Fame, a very interesting initiative this, and lots of uh, talking points. And uh, the great Ivorian Yaya Toure, formerly of Manchester City, is uh, on the ballot uh, there in the uh, Hall of Fame.
Yeah, it's um, it's it's awesome to to see him there amongst the greats. Uh, I remember 2014 uh, when he had that um, that season to remember, just carrying Manchester City on his back. 20 goals for for a midfielder uh, and nine assists as well in that season in the 33 games that he played in the English Premier League. And if you want to put that into context, context for for a midfielder, we are talking about Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. He scored 22 goals for the Golden Boot. So you see how prolific Yaya Torre was in that season. Ten of those goals, Steve, were, for, were free kicks. So that's, that's Yaya Torre for you from, from midfield area, just driving forward. And a lot of people would say that Yaya Torre is so big, he's so big, he can't run. But many midfielders and defenders found out the hard way that he could outrun them, outpace them. He was so driven. And yeah, he got my vote certainly when I was voting for this. Well, thanks very much, Ephraim. That's a Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu and a Yaya Toure, one of the 15 nominees who've been shortlisted in the latest batch for the English Premier League Hall of Fame. Uh, the three players with the most combined votes from fans and from a Premier League awards panel will enter the Hall of Fame. Winners will be announced early next month. So the FA Cup semi-finals are on this weekend. Manchester City playing Sheffield United and Brighton taking on Manchester United. And in the Premier League, Arsenal have a game at home to Southampton, so a chance to widen the gap, at least for now, over Manchester City. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from East Steve Vickers and Ephraim Tagu in Harare and from Solis Chuku in Nigeria, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.